0: Unbelievable! Cool! Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the streak than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down. God's stepping up. That's what football is all about.
1: And they say we can't do it. What they say now?
0: Kane is in the building.
1: folks. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Wednesday, August 15th. We are T-17 days to kickoff of the 2018 college football season. We're a couple weeks now into fall camp, and the podcast has been voted the number one Clemson podcast by T-Rice and Gravy on Tiger Net because he couldn't find another one. Ben and Cody here with you today to catch up on the storylines of fall camp and just start to get pumped for this 2018 season. Uh, it is quickly coming upon us, and Cody, my excitement. excitement. Excitement continues to grow again. We talked about it a little bit last time. It's a little bit different feeling going in this year, having not coming off winning a national championship, but with a lot of expectations and a lot of optimism.
0: The the one thing that uh, I've heard, I think I saw on TigerNet, was that there hasn't been a lot of drama, but there's been a lot of uh, excitement. And it's kind of weird. Usually those things kind of go hand in hand. But usually the, the drama comes when a guy is kind of jockeying for the quarterback position. And granted, there is a quarterback battle. Or maybe the newcomers, like the freshman newcomers, are coming in and you absolutely are relying on them. And let's say the big four didn't come back, we would be relying on some true freshmen. But that's not the case. So not a lot of drama. In, in like the best possible sort of way. And and that 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 yields a, a, a whole lot of excitement.
1: And, you know, I've been th- I've been thinking about that, too. I thought about it in the offseason because another period of time where we used to see a lot of drama is the dead period in the offseason where coaches don't have a lot of contact with the players. Um, you'd see some guys get in trouble. There's be some academic casualties, but. We really haven't had that, uh, the, the last several years. And that speaks to the coaches and the atmosphere of the program. And it speaks a lot to the young men. You know, we had the the deal with Josh Belk and the unfortunate incidents with uh, Jadar Johnson and CJ Fuller in the offseason. But talking about the players that are actually team, you know, we're not experiencing a lot of this throughout
0: the year anymore. Right. And I, I think for a lot of schools they have that and, and they also have like You're excited about the team, about the guys that are supposed to jump into new roles, into bigger roles from the previous season, and that's always like a bit of excitement. And the, there's always coach speak, right? And I think that's been, I guess, limited a little bit due to, like, I think, the visibility of the the media that they have now to college teams. So you have like like Tiger Net's posting videos of Venable's of, of Jeff Scott, right. of, of, and you know, like like Tiger Illustrated still making a, a business model on on taking those interviews and putting them in the articles. Good for them because it, like they do a good job, but. Uh, I feel like there's not much you can hide. So, like, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of coach speak, but for the most part, you're, you you know what you're getting.
1: Well, and the more coach speak we as fans are exposed to these
0: days, the easier it is to kind of read between the lines. Right, and then you have historical precedents, too. It's like when Dabo was waving Hunter Renfro's flag in 2000 and, uh, prior to the 2015 season, it's like, we're going to call BS on you at some point. But lo and behold, you know, he, he turned out to be pretty good.
1: Yes. Well, so we've learned to take Davo for his word and trust him. Uh, perhaps we should trust him with the quarterback battle.
0: I think, well, that's what we said last episode. So yeah, I, I agree. There is a, there's a two man system. And by the way, he's hedging a little bit. He's not saying there is a unanimous starter. He's, he's just saying that there's a two man system two a lot of good. There's three good guys out there is what he's saying.
1: Well, I think the bottom line that you're getting at here is there's a lack of drama and that's a good thing. Um, You know, we're not as fans of the team. We're not distracted on. uh, There's not storylines coming out of practice that are causing distractions among the team. We're not worried about whether our head coach is going to be around um, after the next couple weeks or so, due to you know things going on like at Maryland or with Urban Meyer and Ohio State. Um, and it's really refreshing just to be able to focus on football.
0: Yeah, that's drama. Uh, what's going on at Ohio State is drama in the worst sort of way. Exactly, be- because it's not like they were like going to be chopped liver this year. They 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 had title, and they still do. They they they're they're vying for uh, a championship.
1: Well, we'll see how that plays out. Again, fortunately, Clemson doesn't have to worry about any of that. Um, so, before we get too far in this episode, I want to go over one more thing. It was just announced today that Clemson has agreed. Clemson and LSU have come to an agreement uh, for a home-and-home series in the 2025 and 26 seasons. LSU comes to Death Valley, the real Death Valley, in 2025. Uh, That's pretty exciting. Uh, You know, you go back and think about 4th and 16 and what that meant for the trajectory of both programs, where we are now. Um, It's such a night-and-day difference. I mean, Clemson and LSU have almost swapped with Clemson even being a step above where LSU was back then.
0: I think so, and I, I think their brand is bigger. But th- that is funny, and you look at like LSU at one point in the in the national pecking order was right there, at number one, and they were always jockeying. And then there was there was Alabama. Uh, I guess they actually hit hit new heights with Saban before Alabama, but you know that's kind of a weird incestuous type SEC thing, as it always is. But for Clemson, yeah, they they've like in the in the national pecking order, they've they've certainly like taken that place. And this is like good good on Clemson. Like this is I think part of what kind of help build the program into that next level because Dabo builds up the ACC and he's been doing it even back when the ACC was a dumpster fire well the ACC is not that great in football uh, historically they're not and we, you can you can make arguments using recent like recent results but they started the reason they what they did to mitigate that um, or to kind of augment their soft schedule was adding Georgia adding Auburn a, a, like back when Sammy uh, his freshman year uh, I think then, then it was Georgia, and then most recently Auburn. Now A and M, you're going to have Notre Dame built in, and God knows that Notre Dame game in in 15 was one of the one of the biggest ones that in Clemson memory. Now you look into the the 2020s, which is crazy to think. And there's is it is it 25 and 26? 25 and 26, yeah. And I think most Clemson fans too have said like who would you, who would you want uh, of all the teams and thinking more locally because that's the, the way we've gone. I think most have said LSU. I think maybe a lo- maybe more have said Tennessee. So if well, we could get if we could get Tennessee worked in, that would be that would be great.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of people will say Georgia just because that's a natural uh, rival in the history of Clemson. Uh, but you know going to play it's it's a little bit exotic kind of to go play a team like lsu Um, you know a team up until now we really only you know we run across in in bowl season Um, so to be able to go down there and or even have them come to to death valley and play a traditional sec powerhouse a storied program um, it's pretty cool not to mention it creates a good road trip opportunity for us i mean I, I never had the opportunity to travel to a lot of games, um, especially when you're in the ACC. You know, your big game is going to play at Florida State, right? So to be able to go into some of these SEC environments as a fan, um, this year I'm going to Texas A&M, and
0: 2026 I'll be going to Baton Rouge. Well, you, you don't think South Bend is uh, an exotic yeah, environment? Yeah, we'll be going to South Bend, too. We're, we Yeah, we have that locked in. Somehow we've come across like Notre Dame Uh, people in our circles here in San Francisco like multiple ones so like that's that's locked in
1: yeah so it's it's awesome to you know add these teams to our schedule you get them in kind of two-year increments uh, which is nice you can turn them over real quick move on to the next team you throw Georgia in there every few years you know that's something that Clemson fans certainly want to see but yeah it's pretty awesome to get LSU on the schedule and uh, we'll prove to them who the real Death Valley is So in this episode today, we're going to touch on some of the storylines that have uh, materialized here over the first couple weeks of fall camp, mainly focusing on uh, true freshmen, some true freshmen, and redshirt freshmen. Last episode, uh, we kind of previewed which true freshmen we thought were going to make an impact this year. Um, We'll focus on a couple of guys that have stood out so far, and then again, uh, redshirt freshmen guys we expect to make an impact this year. We'll talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, and we'll get into... uh, some other position group battles if we have time. But before we go any further, I want to give a shout-out and a welcome to all our new listeners. This is the time of year where we see our biggest uptick in new people finding the podcast. Um, No matter how you found it, um, we're we're glad you're here. Uh, And to give you a little bit idea of how we're going to play out here over the next couple weeks, and then once we get into the season, um, we traditionally touch on fall camp here at the beginning of August – Over the next couple weeks, we'll do position group breakdowns. We'll do an offensive-defensive episode, and then we'll do a season preview. Then as we get into the season, we'll do weekly game recaps. That might include a little bit of a preview of the upcoming game. It depends on who our opponent is and if there's any strong storylines there. But uh, the podcast is myself, Ben. There's Cody. uh, That's the two of us here today. And then we've also got Tully, who is our normal host. And then Sam, who we brought on last year to focus on uh, basketball and baseball. He'll also be getting in. Um, on the fun in football this year, helping us with our game recaps. We'll have uh, three people at most. Um, we'll be our recap format sometimes, too. But either way, we'll be there after every game to break it down for you and uh, give us uh, give you our thoughts. And then also for all our listeners, uh, please make sure to uh, check us out on Facebook at Clemson Podcasts on Twitter, uh, clemsonpodcasts at gmail.com uh, if you have any questions. Uh, you want to interact with us, that's the best way to do it. Uh, we appreciate iTunes reviews following us uh, there and on SoundCloud. Um, that's the best way to find us or any of your uh, podcasting apps. Um, we've gotten overwhelming uh, responses from everybody who listens throughout the four years or three years now leading into our fourth that we've been doing this, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate um, all the feedback we've gotten from everybody. And so with that, let's talk about some freshman standouts. Freshman Standouts Okay, Cody, last episode, as I mentioned, we introduced uh, some of the true freshmen coming in this year, uh, guys that we expect to make an impact. I want to start with Winjay Dixon. He was a guy, based on everything that you read, that we were hearing that more than likely he was going to take a red shirt this year, maybe to get those four games in that you're now allowed um, to still maintain your red shirt. But since then, he's been turning a lot of heads. Again, he wasn't here over the spring. He wasn't an early enrollee, so he just comes in in fall practice, and he has hit the ground running. And there's a legitimate shot of him finding significant playing time, meaningful playing time on this team this year.
0: Yeah, and the scouting report on him—he came and out, of, out of high school. He was 175, and as any, as most people know, that's not that's not enough weight to really make yourself a a, 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 a featured. Running back at Clemson, he got to get into that 190 ter- uh, territory. Sure enough, he does that within the first weigh-in. I think he's up to 195. So what what most perceived is kind of a limiting factor that would kind of persist throughout his career, which would relegate him to maybe career backup or maybe scat back or that guy that can catch out of uh, the backfield and situational plays. It's quickly been dismissed because of his his weight, and and now on top of that. Uh, you also hear about his ability, and it rivals, I guess, the way he's kind of just got caught people's eye. Uh, rivals Etienne, and we talked about this during our last episode a little bit. Two classes in a row where you're taking kind of unknown late bloomers, um, three star, really three star guys, and and you're hitting on them, and who have what looks to be, um, you know, high high four star, and with Etienne, certainly five star type talent. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else to say about him. I think we were kind of talking about a red shirt last uh, last episode. It, it's it's I think we've moved beyond that threshold of it's pretty clear uh, that he's not going to red shirt.
1: Well, the thing that I would say about that is, is it's easy to come into camp and flash over the first couple weeks. But a lot of times these freshmen hit a wall um, and. About at the end of this week, there's a scrimmage tomorrow on Thursday um, in the stadium. But about at the end of this week, once these guys have been in pads, they're taking hits, you do see guys hit a wall. Now, did not happen to ETN last year. Um, May not happen to Dixon, but it's certainly still a possibility. We're not so far into camp yet where we know for sure that he's not going to hit that threshold.
0: No, that's very true. Um, The the one thing I can say is there is there is availability or there's opportunity, I'm sorry, at running back just because of numbers and I and I, you know I don't know the protocol but I, I think when you're getting down to your fourth stringer and you only have four scholarship running backs it's almost even if he was that 175 you know skinny kid that, that can only be a scat back I, I was I was thinking he should probably still burn the red shirt just because you need him but i I think you know I maybe he hits a wall but uh i I think not only well I guess kind of the way we're thinking about things is not only is he is he um, going to burn the redshirt shirt due to depth reasons, but he, he, due to skill and what he can give this team, you don't, you want to uh, burn the red shirt, give an opportunity to play.
1: Yeah. You know, there's been some comparisons made to ETN. now I don't know to what extent he's been hitting on those big explosive plays that ETN had last year during camp that really, you know, made the coaches feel confident that he was ready uh, to play meaningful minutes in games. Um, but just what we've heard out of Dixon, his athleticism, his vision, um, and his just speed and quickness, and his natural running abilities is, you know, that's all you need to hear uh, right there to give him a shot. But then also, he's a step ahead of etn in pass protection. That's a big deal. Etn would have saw a lot more of the field last year. I think if his pass protection was better.
0: Yeah, I wish I could give the basketball equivalents and just you know drill off a guy, some guys off the top of my head because I think basketball is like a really heady game. And running back, when you're getting out of the gates, it's also a heady game. And Etienne was the most raw prospect you can think of, but you just had to play him because he had so much talent. And it was it was so clear from the onset. With with Lynn J Dixon, I think he's more of that heady point guard type. Prospect, and, and it's no surprise that he, he he did play in a small school, and he had a, he's still learning some nuances uh, of the game. But I I, I suspect that he would catch on to things, and sure enough, he has. So I and I, I don't foresee that being an issue with him. I think he'll pick up on things. You're already seeing good vision, good instincts. We talk about him and Etienne in a similar. We're, we're framing this in a similar conversation or the same conversation. Completely different skill sets, but again, in terms of what they'll uh, provide from a from a talent from a skill set standpoint like way over over uh, uh, punching above our weight class from a recruiting standpoint.
1: Well, and let's talk about that recruiting for a second here because it's interesting to me. You think about the last two classes, Clemson misses on their top running back targets. They take ETN late in the game. You get Linjay Dixon, under-the-radar guy, and they've showed out. But where are we at without them? Depth-wise, on this team, you have Tavian Feaster, you got Adam Choice, and you got Darian Wrencher who was the the four string back coming out of the spring.
0: I mean, we're we're in a bad spot, and and I would you know the Clemson to kind of make the case for for what they've done. Like there hasn't there haven't been a, a lot of great running backs in in the last two classes, and at the top of our board we missed Zamir White was the one in this most recent class. So it was Zamir White, and then after that, and by the way, he went to Georgia. After that, though, it was. Uh, a Long list of you know low four star, high three star guys, He had to pick the right one, so a lot, a lot of credit. And they de-
1: to, they definitely picked the right one to with Tony ETN, yeah, yeah. Tony
0: Elliott, that's that's evaluation. It's just, I mean, and obviously an ETN, yeah, like that was, and you heard about his recruitment story, so that a lot of uh, wow, high marks to like him and him and Jeff Scott are kind of doing it in different ways. I mean, different positions, there's three receivers, only one running back, but uh, Jeff Scott's just getting a, like quantity and quality, and, and like a lot of quality. And then you got uh, you got uh, Tony Elliott, where there's not as much supply, though, and I hate to use his like economic terms, but there's not as many good running backs. But the ones he's finding, he's being more efficient. He's finding the good ones. Uh, he's maximizing, I guess, evaluation and, and that sort of thing. And, and, they're, and he's hitting. He's hitting on them. So, well, credit and, to
1: him. And, you know, the book's still out on Lynn J. Dixon. We'll need to see him on the field. But, you know, these are all very similar things that we heard about ETN coming out of fall camp last year. And the coaches were right. You saw it from his first carry. Uh, you saw from the Louisville game when he busted that long touchdown run. That guy that was ready to see the field. We're hearing that Lynn J. Dixon is as well. Uh, the fortunate part this year is that ETN uh, has a much better grasp of the playbook. His pass protection is going to be improved. Same thing with Tavian Feaster. He's poised for a breakout season. Adam Choice, do not overlook him. I think he's going to have a great senior season for the Tigers. But then there's Lynn J. Dixon. It's good to have him in your back
0: pocket. Right. Especially
1: if injuries start to mount up.
0: Absolutely. And I, you know, even if he doesn't make much of an impact this year, that's fine. I love, love, love his skill set of that kind of quasi scat back, catch it out of the backfield because it could not be at the, at a, at a more opportune time given what Trevor Lawrence's skill set. It's just completely complimentary. uh, The way that, the way that Lawrence will stretch uh, opponents downfield and like Linjay Dixon's going to, he's going to be the beneficiary of that. And that's one
1: thing Clemson has been missing in the past few seasons out of the running back position, even back to you know, to Wayne Gallman, is a running back can catch the ball out of the backfield and make something happen. Um, so that's Lynn J. Dixon. Let's move on now to a guy last episode. We didn't even touch on him, I don't think. Jordan McFadden, uh, offensive tackle. Uh, question is now, could he compete uh, for, a, for a spot on the 2 deep behind Hyatt and uh, Ankrum at tackle?
0: It's what's what was interesting. The first I think few days coming out of camp was I, I heard reports of him being, hey, he's starting at guard. He may not be a tackle. And We recruited him and Carmen as as both tackles, and that's I mean that's an area of need. I mean it is for all colleges, but for all football teams. He started at a guard, but it looks like he's he, for one. He looks more developed than some of the guys on the roster in, in second or third years, which is I mean good good job of stealing him from Virginia Tech, and I. Man, uh I, I don't know what else to say about him. if the coaches are gonna continue to play this um kind of low numbers game in the recruiting uh, in and offensive line recruiting, man, their hit rate is just unbelievably high. Like when you dating back to especially dating back to Pollard and Ankrum's class. And again,
1: Pollard and Ankrum, I believe, were early enrollees. I think Hyatt was as well. McFadden comes in and you know, fresh into fall camp. So As much as you can gauge these guys' abilities when you're recruiting them, you don't really know their ability to grasp the system, especially on the offensive line and especially at offensive tackle. And, you know, we're hearing all the things he's athletic, powerful, and all that. Um, He's got great agility. He's picking up the system pretty well. And that's the
0: thing that gets you there to playing when you're a freshman on the offensive line. Right and like for me uh, the way I think of it is if a guy comes in and the coaches are like he might play as a freshman if if nothing else he may, maybe he didn't uh, he ends up redshirting after four games just the fact that they're considering him means we hit on him and if you need under it, 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 we uh, we're a little bit spoiled at Clemson we're we're not we don't recruit we're not wide receiver you on the offensive line but compared to other teams it's like it's you just you it's 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 a guessing it's guesswork cuz sometimes you get in a third and fourth year and guys don't pan out and you're hitting on 50% of your offensive line and you just got to roll the guy that's most ready out there to know that you're already considering him for playing time early on that's that's a huge it's it's a huge plus well and
1: it means less for this year than it does for next year i mean that's that's the big thing he gets in there this year contributes that's fantastic
0: being ready to hit the ground running next year when Hyatt leaves that's huge. It, it, yeah, I, and I think the same could be said of, of Dixon. I think both of these guys were excited. Um, it's almost like a recruiting uh, kind of bit because we're, we're probably not looking at nineteen. Maybe we are, and, and fair enough if they show out where they're that good and we at, we can't keep them off the field. But I think we're looking at nineteen. But that's that's great. We need we need tackles. I, like you said, Heinz leaving. Well,
1: you know, there's a history of uh, you know, like you mentioned, if we're playing this numbers game with the offensive line, you're just. I'm not going to say it's good lucky. It's just really good evaluation. Have Hyatt come in and play as significantly as he did um, his freshman year, started every game, I
0: believe. Um, and then Pollard and Ancrum came in. Uh, I'll give the staff credit on Jake Free Morgan. It wasn't their fault. Yeah. He left from what i well, as far as I know. I mean, they hit on him. He was starting international championship game. It's right. true. Or he was he was getting a lot of snaps. So.
1: Um, so yeah, you know, as much as we complain about the offensive line recruiting, they are hitting on the guys that they need to, it's a slippery slope, but it's working out so far And Jordan McFadden seems to be another example of that. Um, so sticking on the offensive side of the ball, we're we'll touch on one guy before we leave. And, uh, this last episode, we were hyping him up plenty. This wasn't a guy that was under the radar. We thought, uh, wasn't going to have much of an impact this year and may raise red shirt, but we all saw his one handed grab. So we'll talk about Justin Ross.
0: Well, did, did you see the video? I saw the video. I mean, it's...
1: Are you bringing it up right now? Are you going to watch it again?
0: I mean, I, I do have it yeah, available um, on Alex Kraft's STS article here. So it's, it's a
1: lot of comparisons to Julio Jones is what we're hearing.
0: Yeah. You have, yeah, I mean, it, it's no surprise. He's, he is that good. It's, it's just a matter of how are him and T. Higgins, how, how are you going to maximize the, the, their ability uh, and, and not just this year, but really for the next two, three years, probably just two years. Well, we've but, seen the
1: coaches get creative in that. You've seen the four-man wide receiver sets taking the tight end off the field. And you look at a guy like Justin Ross, he's like six four, six five. 6'5". Um, he's, he's built. He's got the build already coming in as a freshman. Um, he wasn't a guy like T. Higgins who needed the offseason to put on some
0: weight. Um,
1: that's very similar physique to a tight end.
0: Yeah, some sometimes with receivers – Polish matters, route running matters, knowing the system matters, but sometimes when you have freak athletic ability, sometimes height just supersedes all of those things. And I think that's what you're getting. And you you potentially have maybe one, maybe two or three quarterbacks that are just going to be able to put it in a 50-50 scenario and you feel pretty good.
1: In the right zip code as Dabo put it this week. I like it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, again, there's – it's no shock that he's showing out and he's proving to be as talented as we thought he would be, but it's going to be an exciting storyline. Uh, I mean, when you see Justin Ross' first step foot on the field this year, it could very be in a very well be in a goal line situation. He might see a fade route to the corner of the end zone. Did a very similar thing with T. Higgins last year. I believe he got a pass interference call on his first opportunity. Let's see what they have in store for Justin Ross, but uh, wide receiver U keeps rolling on. Okay, let's move on from the true freshmen who have been turning heads here in fall camp and talk about the redshirt freshmen who we expect to make an impact this year. Okay, Cody, let's start here on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I want to start with Jordan Williams, uh, defensive tackle. Uh, he was a end in high school, made the transition last year when he came in. There was some speculation about whether or not he was going to play last year. That did not materialize. They were waiting for him to... Uh, learn the position at tackle and put on that extra weight, that extra build that's required of the position. Uh, But right now, uh, a lot of expectations for him this year. He comes in um, out of the spring, third team behind uh, Wilkins and Huggins um, at the tackle position. Where do you
0: see him playing out? Yeah, I mean, he's going to get his reps. He's going to be a little bit buried, but there's no denying he... For one, like last year when he, he came in, he moved to tackle quick. I was a little bit surprised by that, but you got a lot of athle- a lot of athleticism at that three technique where Christian Wilkins currently resides. You get a lot of that from Jordan Williams, so man he he had to get up from i think about roughly 280 i think he's over 300 now 306 he weighed in at 306 just a monster and I, he's already he's 65 so that's good weight it's not like he's overweight that's he's carrying good weight he's, he's athletic and he's 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 maintaining a lot of that mobility that he that he had in high school as a defensive end so where is he at i mean he's going to get 200 well, you'd want him to get 200 up, upwards of 300 uh snaps because next year he's gonna have a chance to be a star and you need him to be a star
1: and we know uh with all the talent and depth on this across this defensive line the clemson and brent middles is going to play a lot of guys you're going to see them cycling in and out a lot you're not just going to see the big four in there you're going to mix in a bunch of other guys jordan williams is definitely going to be one of them you know you spoke about how tall he is um you know putting on the weight he's been able to keep his mobility which is good but with that height and something that he didn't have to worry about as much as a defensive end is keeping his pad level low. That's going to be something he needs to work on as he makes, completes the transition to tackle.
0: Yeah, that was the one, like, well, I should maybe there were more criticisms, but yeah, there, it was a thing of technique, of, of hands, even pad level, but you're right, maybe it's not as big of a factor a defensive end, like leverage will always be a thing on the defensive line, but... This guy, I mean, he he has a ton of potential. Like, it's not just a, a a guy that you need him for next year because because you need him. He's a guy that could be a star. Like, he could be a star this year. And had Wilkins left, uh, he would be relied upon.
1: Yeah, he would easily be the two deep. Obviously, Huggins would slide into Wilkins' spot, and you know Williams would be right up there too. So. um He's a great pass rusher. He's got those genes in him from his time spent at defensive end in high school. Um, his run defense has really improved, and that's what we're hearing out of him. And he's just another, uh, you know, another link in the chain that is this this strong tradition of really highly talented defensive linemen that Clemson has really developed over the last few years.
0: Yeah, and it's a surprise that he even redshirted. I would say at a lot, lot of uh, schools he would not have, and that and that, that he's kind of like the next guy in line of redshirts. And that Niles Pinkney was the guy before him, and then you could say Cleveland Farrell, despite an injury. But like, there's some guys on that on that on that redshirt that practice squad that are turning heads, and he was he's the latest one.
1: Yeah. So let's uh, keep it on the defensive line. Let's move out to end now and uh, talk about Logan Rudolph. He uh, exited the spring third team at Strong Side Defensive End behind Austin Bryant and Chris Register. Um, He actually had an opportunity to play last year. He um, quickly asserted himself, made some moves, passed some veterans on the death chart, uh, and was in a position to get really significant playing time last year. Unfortunately, he succumbed to injury, had to undergo shoulder surgery. Um, He ended up with a medical red shirt. Where do we see him this year coming back, immediately having a big impact? Again, between him and Williams, guys that are kind of lost. Like you don't when they don't get significant playing time their freshman year, Logan Rudolph did get some, but because of the injury, you tend to not think about them, right? It tends to kind of go to the back of your mind. He's a guy who, again, um, Clemson's gonna play deep into their into their depth chart, definitely
0: into their three deep this year. We expect to see a lot out of Logan Rudolph. Yeah, I mean, he could be like we talked about last week with Xavier Thomas is the one guy like if one of the defensive ends went down, like I'm not saying there wouldn't be a drop off. There would. But Xavier Thomas would be the one guy where, you know, you have potential for that that 80 grade using baseball terms or baseball grading skills. Logan Rudolph last year was he flashed in in a way that like was unexpected. I didn't I, I frankly I, I thought it would take him two to three years to make an impact. For one, he was a tweener. Whenever there's tweeners, and by the way, Justin Foster, the guy that his counterpart in the same right. class, both of those guys are tweeners. Does he play linebacker or does he play defensive end? And there's a lot that goes into it. It might sound simplistic for the kind of the, the casual person, but you got to get your weight right. You got to get your technique right. And I see him at 245. That's it's not enough to be a, an elite defensive end right now, but. It, can he be like situational? Uh, he, by the way, he was, he was really good for a freshman last year. But can he be situational as a redshirt freshman um, and, and be more of a pass rusher, maintain a lot of that linebacker speed that he has? Like that could be a huge asset, especially like third down type situations. So, uh, not sure where he falls uh, ultimately because uh, I think KJ Henry's got the larger upside. Uh, Chris Register has more experience, but um, he's got he's going to have his say.
1: Well, it's great to have this depth, right? I mean, we're going to talk about the depth across the defensive line, how much playing time those guys are going to get this year, and really what that translates uh, to as far as next year concerns. And I'll also give a credit, uh, again, to the recruiting. You talked about a few guys there that recruited out of high school. They're going to end up playing a different position in college than they did in high school. So the ability for coaches to see that and know that they can develop these guys and you know, to their optimal position, you know, the the best version of themselves. Um, again, it speaks to the recruiting.
0: It, it's kind of an art, and I know this is not what we plan to talk about, but just a, a, that's a it's a it's funny you say that because it's something that's crept into my mind as I follow recruiting over the last few years. Um, but recently, with a lot of tweeners, you get a lot of cases where they just don't pan out. A lot of times, that's because they just can't get to that optimal weight, or they put on too much weight trying to like a defensive end move into defensive tackle. Or uh, they, they're trying to maintain the speed of a defensive end when they're where there's heavy. You get a lot of that. Um, the one kind of the, the Trump card there would be just that like for one, strength and conditioning. But guys that have like the right mental makeup, I think that like when they, they put the honest on that. And I think with Justin Foster, you're talking about a great kid, Logan Rudolph, a great kid. When they're picking these guys that are tweeners that you would consider for you know high level division one uh developmental prospects or guys that got to figure it out you're 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 making a high probability bet and i i don't know not to go a go not to go long way go off on a side tangent but that's that's it's a good point that you make
1: well i think what you're getting at is it's the mental aspect of the game too um it's not just their physical ability to put on that extra weight but their mental ability to grasp a different position and be fluid in that sense and just have the maturity to be able to come in and and take hold of that. Um, Again, there's a lot of um, pats on the back that we can give going around from the recruiting, strength, and conditioning to the individual players themselves, but it's a perfect storm. Everything's coming together, right? And, again, it's exciting to to have all these guys on the team and be able to talk about them. Um, Before we move off the defense, I want to talk about Lee Anthony Williams, now, he's a guy, I think, that we had a lot of high expectations uh, for coming into last year. I think there was a possibility that he could have played. The coaches wanted to see him put some more weight on. Um, looks like and add some strength. It looks like that's happened. The next step looks to be uh, the understanding of the position, which he's still struggling with a little bit.
0: Yeah, and that's a little surprising because he, he came from Roswell, which is a, a good high school uh Georgia high-level uh, football, you know, Trey Lamar came from there. Um, but it's not, I mean, to me it's a, I think that it's the logjam of talent, which is, it's kind of like we're looking at it as like a concern because of numbers. I think it's a concern because the top in talent is just really good. And the fact that, you know, your redshirt freshman cornerback is kind of taking a little bit of time to progress. I don't think it should be a bit of, I, shouldn't, I don't think it should be too worrisome. Uh, maybe we expected a little bit more from him because he, because of his high school, but but you know, so be it. He's still I still think in time he has a chance to have a really good career at Clemson. Uh,
1: well, you know, speaking of Roswell, a good comparison here is Trey Lamar. You got a guy like Trey Lamar and Shaq Smith come in, both guys five-star linebackers, and Trey Lamar gets playing time right away. Obviously he was a starter last year. Shaq Smith still waiting for him to come on. Look at cornerback, we got Mario Goodrich and Kyler McMichael coming in this year as true freshman, A.J. Terrell last year. Lanthony Williams taking a little bit longer to progress. Not all these guys are going to hit the ground running at the same speed.
0: Yeah, and but I admit, I like the six-foot-plus depth stacking up at cornerback. quarterback. Yeah, that, I do that's too. what I like a lot, yeah. and Lanthony Anthony Williams is, is right there.
1: Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Depth at cornerback, uh, certainly an issue this year um, heading into the season. It's a big question. He's uh, too deep um, uh, at, at both corner positions by A.J. Uh, behind Terrell and Fields and then Trayvon Mullen on the other side. So, again, expect him to make a contribution this year. Um, how much playing time he's going to get depends on how much uh, of an impact Kyler McMichael and Mario Goodrich make this year. Uh, so let's move on to the offensive side. Uh, we're going to start now with a, a handful of, of offensive linemen. We've got Blake Vinson, Matt Bockhorst, and Noah DeHond, all redshirt freshmen coming in this year. Um, Dabo says, and a lot of people are saying this could be the best offensive starting five on the offensive line that Davo's had in his tenure at Clemson, the depth is still a question of concern. So one of these guys is going to need to step up. I think right now it's looking like Bach at offensive guard. He's second team left guard behind John Simpson. He's looking like he's going to have the most impact this year, but it's not to write off the others.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think Bachhorse is the guy that it, it, he's good. Like, and you're going to generally speaking as a tackle, uh, if you're a developmental pros, project or prospect, you, you're going to, like a guard, you're going to have a chance to make an early impact. It's just, it's not quite the high skill technique uh, kind of uh, position that that a that tackle is. So it, it stands the reason that, that Matt Barcourse, uh, especially because he was a good player in high school, uh, thought, thought to be, a uh, I think, a four star prospect out of Ohio. So we look for him to be like not just. Kind of getting playing time, but to, like to impose his will on the depth chart and be like, "Hey, I'm too good to keep me off the field." What we don't want to see is uh, like Gage Stravinka. We like him too because he's an upperclassman um, in a converted defensive tackle. But we'd like to see Mac Baquero be so good that you don't have to do this like shuffling act with. Cervik at center, Justin Fasnelli moving to one of the guard spots. You want to see you want to see, uh, want to see and that's the one to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm still not I'm still not sold. I, I think we would have we would have gotten um, a stronger recommendation on the two redshirt freshman tackles if they were where they where they needed to be. Talking about Vincent and Dehan.
1: Well, I think Dehan is probably more of a project. I think coming out of high school, I think the coaches knew that. Uh, Blake Vincent, on the other hand, what he had to kind of transform his body. Um, he was the only, he's the only offensive lineman to, to lose weight from last year's weigh on uh, weigh in. He's dropped to 286 from 293. Um, and that is a response to the need to change his body composition, um, to rebuild it with more muscle, you know, what it takes to, to play tackle at the college level, the elite college level.
0: No, I agreed. And, uh, by the way, I met, I met Blake Fenson. I taught, have told this story on the podcast for really nice guy. he was really cool like had a conversation with me like struck me as like m- mature beyond his years so i'm rooting for him uh you know i got a personal maybe you're immature beyond your years well no I, I i thought about that like i'm like maybe i'm you know i'm, I'm 30 plus and maybe i'm act 25 maybe he's 18 and act 25 so you know whatever we meet in the middle but now i, I like the kid and, and i think he's definitely going to play a factor now Dehan's more like much more developmental so like you're right i think they're not in the same tier they're not in the same uh, Bucket, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, both of them are still probably going to get a lot of mop-up duty action this year, especially with the Han. Um, he's third string right now. Blake Vinson's lifted, listed second string behind Mitch Hyatt on the depth chart. But as again, we mentioned last episode, if Hyatt does go down, we expect Ankrum to move over to the left tackle, moving Pollard to right tackle. So it's a little bit deceiving when you're looking at the depth chart.
0: Agreed. And and I guess the next guy up uh, tackle would probably have to be Carmen. Would be my. Would be that. Would be my. Hope and not. Well, I think it's Jordan McFadden, hopefully. Speaking of him, I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: Um, It's it's going to be a solid offensive line group this year. Again, with any position group, we need to worry about injuries. Um, But there's a lot of proven talent and guys with experience on that start, at least on the starting five on the offensive line. And should they stay healthy, that should allow a lot of the other guys to develop. The regular season schedule is not difficult by any stretch of the imagination for the Tigers this year. We expect there to be some large leads, which will allow some other guys to get in there and get some experience. And one of those guys is third string quarterback Chase Bryce. So we'll go ahead and move on to him to wrap this up. Um, He's going to play by default this year because there's only three scholarship quarterbacks on the Clemson football team. But that's nothing to bat an eye at. This guy is going to be really good eventually. And, you know, after Trevor Lawrence's third season, could be a good spot for Chase Bryce to slide in there with years of experience to be the starting quarterback for one year for this team. So it'll be interesting to see the, the public, us, the fans, have not gotten to see a lot out of him um, thus far, except for what we've seen in, um, in spring games. Um, he had an injury last year that ended up with him red shirting. But he's a guy, he's a gunslinger, he's got a good
0: arm, coaches are really high on him. Yeah, Chase Bryce has been very uh, interesting for me to think about like who he is because um, he's so buried and if I think about him and if he came into Clemson in 2006, he would probably be our starter and and by far the most talented player on our roster. And you could say that up until maybe even he he would be like right there with Taj Boyd from a talent standpoint. Maybe has more raw tools than than, than Taj. So, where he is now, like, just kind of buried, like, I, I'm not sure that's who he is. He's not a, a career backup. I I, I think he, the whole, like, he could be starting for 95% of Division I schools, like we said that a lot. I, th- I think that he could be competing for that starting job, and I think that's a true statement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was a heralded four-star recruit coming out of high school, and again, he came in Hunter Johnson's class, and... That did not. He actually committed after Hunter Johnson did, so he was not deterred by that. He has the mental uh, capacity and makeup to that. This stuff does not bother him, and he trusts in himself. Uh, I think it was Cleveland Farrell that that mentioned how he doesn't seem to get frustrated and intimidated um, by different pressures that are brought towards him. He's just a guy who has a cool um, demeanor, and that's going to play out well, especially as he's looking up as incumbent starter, senior Kelly Bryant, and. Uh, You know, true freshman wonder kid Trevor Lawrence.
0: All I can think of is who was our Tua uh, to a I don't think it's Trevor Lawrence. I think, I think, it's uh, Chase Bryce, I think it's Chase Bryce. Is that, that that's he's our Tua.
1: So, you think he's gonna come in there after, uh, uh, in the starting the second half of the national championship game against Alabama, just lead Clemson to victory?
0: I mean, yeah, if you saw the national championship game, like the, the kind of things Tua was doing. Like Some of it was just erratic and chaotic, but some of it was brilliant and, and just a lot of mastery. That's Chase Bryce. Like Trevor Lawrence, is he's, he's going to be more Dan Marino or someone else.
1: It's kind of like when polished. you bring a rookie starting pitcher up from the minors during the middle of the season. He goes out there, his first outing, and just has a phenomenal start. Braves fans will know what I'm talking about. It's because nobody knows what to expect. They're not ready for that. That would be, and that works when there's only one half left to play left in the season.
0: There you go. I, yeah, I, I don't. I hope it doesn't come to that. But I think Br- that's Chase Bryce.
1: Well, either way, we know Hunter Renfro is going to be at the receiving end of whomever is throwing the game-winning touchdown. Um, so that wraps it up for the true freshman, um, or sorry, the redshirt freshman. Again, a lot of good storylines. We'll see how that develops, um, whether any of them is really going to make an impact this year. None of them really as a starter, but there's definitely some uh, playing time there available for a lot of these guys. So um, we'll see how that plays out. The talent, you know, again, a lot of these Redford freshmen, it's not necessarily saying as freshmen when they came in that they'd start anywhere in the country, but they definitely be getting significant playing time for most other teams during their true freshman campaigns. So we'll see how these guys do for a national title contender in their redshirt freshman campaigns. So that wraps up the redshirt freshman. Let's move on to the quarterback battle. Okay, Cody, let's talk quarterbacks. Should we keep going with Chase Price? Well, he's my number one guy. I think we made that
0: clear in the last segment.
1: I think mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, that being said, a lot of Clemson fans would disagree with you. So it appears we have a quarterback battle on our hands for the first time since the beginning of last season. Uh, Kelly Bryant again finds himself embroiled in a quarterback battle with Trevor Lawrence. Um, Alex Kraft, a writer from Shaking the Southland, actually had a really good piece. Not a lot of people are privy to these uh, these false scrimmages. He was able to get in there. Cody, what did you take from his article?
0: Well, it's it's probably the most insightful, like with all the kind of redundancy we've seen across all these quarterback battle articles and conversations including uh from yours truly here on the podcast he actually had some very good football specific insight that i i found valuable and like we all kind of know it it's one of those things where like you know these things to be true but they're abstract and you can't you can't uh kind of crystallize it in your mind i think he did a good job of of, of doing that and I, I i won't read it verbatim go check it out if you haven't already but Essentially, he talks about Bryant's ability on some of these, um, what would you say, deep rounds or out rounds. And conversely, you look at Bryant's, or I'm sorry, Tr- Trevor Lawrence's ability as he does things um, kind of on the fly. He, he looks off safeties and not in the sense of like you look off a safety, you go straight to your safety valve and that check down uh, running back or, or whoever, whomever that may be, it could be a tight end. But instead, you look off your safety to find the next guy in your route tree. So basically, what you're saying is, Brian is good with these kind of. I would I would say, and I'm I don't want to put words into his article or into his mouth. Um, instead of having these kind of preset ideas of where you're going with the ball uh, before it's snapped, or which, you have two reads and that's it. You, yeah, you have two reads essentially for Kelly Bryant, and you get become very polished in those reads, which he did for a lot of the season. Um, and you can beat, as he mentioned, thirteen you know opponents doing that, but you just can't beat the top tier opponents doing that. Well kind of the way deshaun watson did it it's a it's a bit of an artistry um the way trevor lawrence will do it he'll go about things and he opens up the entire route tree not just the deep routes not just the the things to the sideline and to me like that's stating it and maybe i haven't done it done it justice the way that he puts it in the article but to me that is it in a nutshell it's not just about stretching the field it's also about the nuance when you're in the pocket of seeing the safeties and knowing that you can look them away, having the arm talent, that word again, the arm the arm talent to, uh, to execute. So
1: listen, let's talk about the things we know. So we know that Trevor Lawrence coming in has the best arm anybody's ever seen. Okay, we get that. We know his ability to drop the ball in a basket wherever it's at on the field. Um, and we understand his ability to read defenses. We know we've heard these things. We can talk about these things. Uh, but what does that mean for Kelly Bryant? You know, in Kelly Bryant's case, he is the incumbent starter. He's been at the school for four years now. Um, he got very little playing time two years ago. Uh, wasn't really hardly let to throw the ball. Last year was his first significant action. hadn't really played a lot of quarterbacks since high school, and even then, it was like one really good year in high school of of throwing the ball. So he didn't have a lot of experience. But what we did see out of him last year was a marked improvement from the year before that. It went down a little bit as the season went along. He lost a little bit of his confidence, but he did improve upon what we thought we expected to see out of Kelly Bryant. Now, moving into this year, what we're hearing again is he's made even more improvements. So, as good as Trevor Lawrence is, why is everybody kind of uh, not giving Kelly Bryant the benefit of the doubt?
0: Well, I think, well, there's... I think there's a reason because we saw it again. I think it's part of like that abstract part of uh, the Clemson's uh, collective consciousness, Clemson fans' collective con- uh, collective consciousness, in that we we can't understand why we don't. Especially, we just came off the hills of Deshaun Watson. We're like, which oh, is hard enough. Is like to follow can... in his footsteps. Sure, but you, and, and Clemson fans saw the possibilities. They're not always football literate but they understand it. They saw something, and they don't see it in Kelly, and they can't put it into words, and they can't put it into football terms, but I think we all see it.
1: Well, I think it's fair to say that, yes, in three years, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a far superior quarterback than Kelly Bryant was in his time at Clemson, but what does that mean for this year? Trevor Lawrence is still straight out of high school. Deshaun Watson coming straight out of high school, his big thing, the reason that he didn't start ahead of Cole Stout is partially was his weight. He didn't have the bill. Trevor Lawrence, of course, has that. He has the the concepts and reads on the offense. I think Kelly Bryant, talent-wise, far superior to Cole Stout, with what he can do. So, what is it if if we look at Kelly Bryant specifically himself? What is it? What what are his talents? What are his attributes that could push him ahead of Trevor Lawrence?
0: Well, it's if take it from Alex Kraft, it's it's unquestioned uh, knowledge of the playbook, and like where he's limited in his ability, he. He's multiple in his knowledge, uh, and 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 Tony Elliott is a. I think he's a great. I think he just keeps progressing as a play caller and as an offensive coordinator. So when he, he knows more of the playbook, like if if Trevor Lawrence only knows thirty three percent of it, we'll say for example, um, maybe he's that that limits him uh, in a certain way. Whereas Kelly Bryant, no, he might be maybe thirty three percent of what Trevor Lawrence is. That again, just examples, just uh, but. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna enhance his ability to do, to do a lot more uh, on on uh, in terms of play calling, in terms of what you can do to, to counteract your opponent's best shots. But ultimately, I think we all know what it comes down to, though. And I don't think people are like it's not digs on Kelly Bryant, and people have to quit thinking about it like that. It's not that. It's like you're a good quarterback. You're you're really good. You can win us an ACC championship and do that every year, but that's not what we're playing for anymore. And we know what the when you put 12 or 13 games of film of you being very predictable, of you displaying your limitations. Alabama can see that. Georgia can see that. Ohio State can see that. And when you only have like a six iron, a three iron, and a driver in your in your bag, it's like, okay, well, we don't have to think about the other 14. We can just think about those three. And that's exactly why Clemson, and I, I hope between Alex Kraft and me just going long-winded, I hope we kind of crystallize why we want Trevor Lawrence over Kelly Bryant ultimately.
1: Well, it's again, it, it's why we want. And the, the want is based on speculation because we haven't seen Trevor Lawrence take a snap in college football. Now, that's not to say that he isn't going to be great. You, and
0: you're talking about him like he's some pitcher that's going to have dead arm or something. I'm not saying that. Like, not, that's not going to happen. Not, I'm not saying that. What I'm trying or to do... is he's going to piss his pants the first time he takes a snap. Like, that's going to happen. No, he, that's
1: not who he is. Listen, I was a very good pee wee soccer player my first time out on the field during a game. yourself I, a lot. I ran off the field because I didn't realize we actually had to play another team. So, San, it can happen. Anyways... What I'm, what I'm saying is is that everybody is so quick to want, want, want. We wanted Hunter Johnson. Everybody wanted Hunter Johnson to eventually take over that job. Leading into last year, but I was like, oh, well, you know, Kelly Bryant's going to start the year. But eventually Hunter Johnson's going to take him over. That didn't happen. And I know Trevor Lawrence is a better five-star than Hunter Johnson is. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate for why... Kelly Bryant does not get the benefit of the doubt or the belief from the fan base it's almost like they're going to be discouraged if he outperforms Trevor
0: Lawrence and wins the starting job outright for the exact reasons I mentioned and again STS as senior writer Alex Kraft he mentions in his article like it's not about the, the the everything past the ACC championship I think we have a lot of confidence that Kelly Bryant can do that it's that Alabama God you know it's those and guys. that's who we're really
1: playing against. We're we're, we're looking towards, and, and listen, yeah. not to dismiss everybody on our schedule and who we may end up playing in the ACC championship game, but listen, Clemson has been an elite level for several years now. we played all these teams. They haven't gotten any better. We've gotten better. There's no reason, aside from mental lapses on the field, there is no way any team we play on our regular season schedule or in the ACC championship game should beat Clemson, period.
0: It's true, and it was... So we're really playing for those playoff games. It, it, we are, and uh, say what you want, Dabo, and you're, you. I think he means well when he says one game at a time. But we know it's not about that this year. It was. It really wasn't about that last year. But we were. You know, we were happy with what, the results. It's it's surgical with Alabama. It's not like I hate the whole chess versus checkers, but that's what it is. Because what they did last year, like it was so. It became almost obvious. It was like here is what we're gonna do for you. Um, it was like, here's our move. We're gonna take this away, and they were obvious about it. It was we're gonna rush four starting. We're gonna, sing, we're gonna, we're gonna send some some um, some blitz safety blitzes from Minka on Minka Fitzpatrick on the on the uh, out, out of the cornerback or safety position. They did that. They were very deliberate in doing that, and we did not have a counter punch. And if you look at that film, and I'm not a huge film buff, but I can see that it, it's a rudimentary understanding of of football and you can see that we didn't have a counter punch it wasn't that we didn't have a counter to their counter we didn't even we couldn't even get in the fight because we didn't have a counterpunch.
1: Well, we also didn't have an offensive line that was playing a particularly good game. Uh, we also didn't have running backs who didn't play particularly well either.
0: Well, that's what happens when you play Alabama because every single one of their defensive linemen are going to play in the NFL someday. So you can't use that as a, as an excuse because sometimes your offensive line will be compromised. So there's gotta be a solution to that as well. And that's, that's, that's it, a it,
1: transcendent it, talent like Deshaun Watson. And that's what we're is. saying. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence
0: is. Yeah. So I think, I think we know where we're going we're kind of talking in circles at this point, but I, I, and well, you're, you're playing devil's advocate. You're, you're trying to think of kind of the, the Clemson. Uh, I'm trying to give Kelly
1: Bryant the benefit of the doubt. And to be honest with you, if you ask any guy. On I think the, everyone is, though, if right? You, if you ask any guy, and I don't think everyone is giving Kelly Bryant the benefit of the doubt. I no th- one's shitting on I, him, though. I think no and it's going to be very sad, but I would not be surprised to see Kelly Bryant throw his first interception of the year and get booed. Fans wanting Trevor Lawrence to come in. And Maybe that's that going to be very sad. And I'm not saying everybody's going to do it. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are not going to do it. And But if anybody, just to put that out there, please don't. Kelly Bryant went to, went to battle for this team last year. If you ask any one of the returning guys who they want to go in with uh, into battle this year starting the season, I guarantee they say Kelly Bryant. Man, Overwhelmingly.
0: Kelly Bryant's approval rating in Clemson circles is 90-plus percent. And the 10%, just like society... They're a bunch of dipshits. So, like, that's just how it is. I, I, good for you if you have a soft spot in your heart for for Kelly Bryant, because he he was a big part of what happened last year. And you saw a lot of his heart and like his character was like it manifested itself on the field in, in certain circumstances because we needed that. And that's why you have that soft spot. I'm and just, that's fine. I'm that-
1: just trying to change the thought process of thinking binary and black and white.
0: Well, no, I, I think we've, we've nuanced it a little bit last episode in, in terms of a two-part system, um, but it's not necessarily either or. But when we talk about Lawrence or, or Bryant, it, by definition, it is binary.
1: Um, well, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's not automatic that Trevor Lawrence is going to take over this team at any point this year. We don't know that. We're going to have to see it play out. We're going to have to trust the coaches. Um, we can't play armchair quarterback. Um, it's just not going to happen. Uh, we're not going to be right. The best that we can do is trust the coaches. They've gotten us, this Clemson football team, this Clemson program to a certain point where it is, where it's elite. And they're going to make, we have to trust them to make the right decisions. We know Dabo has learned from Deshaun Watson's freshman year, and he's going to apply that here.
0: Well, let me throw one question out at you. We can close this segment and it's a tough one. You, you keep saying, we haven't seen a, a down from Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't played a snap of college football. Fair enough. From with the knowledge you know right now to this point, if we're in the playoff, and Alabama's there. We'll say Georgia and Ohio State are there as well, and all of them are formidable foes. Who do you have? Who do you have starting as your quarterback? And they'll play the whole time. There's no two two back system. You have one guy. Who do you take right now? Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Yes, just because so it's like no one's shitting on Kelly Bryant. We some people we are. would most people will have that same answer that you just had. And if you're shitting on Kelly Bryant, that's the part of the population and, maybe, and maybe maybe that we part like. of it
1: maybe part of it is me feeling guilty because of that. Um, and ultimately the the guy the best guy deserves to play. And I applaud Kelly Bryant for coming into this season. He doesn't really have a chip on his shoulder. He's coming in acting like a leader should. Mm-hmm. There's no animosity between him and Trevor Lawrence, which is great. And that, that speaks a lot to Kelly's character. And as far as that's concerned, uh, talent aside, when it comes to character, that's the type of guy I want leading my team. Not to say Trevor Lawrence doesn't have that, but he does have that
0: attribute. Okay. Just, if, if it makes you feel like if it kind of... You need to be a leader. You if can't. If it helps your guilt situation, you, throw out compliments to Kelly Bryant, but you just picked him to, over your, your playoff caliber quarterback. He, he's never even played it down. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, how dare you. It's, man. it's a t- how dare you shit on Kelly it's a Bryant. tough
1: conversation. And I think that's what we're trying to do is and that's what I'm trying to do is think of it in a different light. That it's not just the black and white like Trevor Lawrence is more highly uh, recruited, highly touted. Everybody's saying that, you know, he's going to be the number one draft pick one day. You got to think outside that box. Because the coaches are thinking outside that box. Because there's more to evaluation than just us sitting here and speculating based on what we've heard from coach speak or from the media, third part. And I think these conversations um, are a good illustration of why we aren't coaches.
0: Yeah, how many Clemson fans have had these same conversations amongst themselves? and Probably with a few beers, kind of like what we just had in in an apartment or a tailgate or wherever, and they've had the same damn conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's happening all over the place. It runs in circles, yeah. It, it does, and we're not going to know. We need something to talk about right now. It's the sexy thing to talk about. A quarterback battle is is the sexiest thing that you can have in college football, and we've got it. We've had it two years in a row. We had it a few years ago with Deshaun Watson and Cole Stout, um, and you know we've been the better for it, to be honest sure. with you.
0: Uh, but you know who I don't like? And I'm not saying you're this guy because you're doing it for the sake of this podcast and Devil's Advocate, but I don't like the guy that's like, Hey guys, hey, you know, Kelly Bryant, let's don't forget about him. He 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 took us to a playoff. Like, let's don't let's don't write him off. I hate that guy. Well,
1: right, and the talent around him and the defense took us to a playoff as well. Um, no, I, I think if Kelly Bryant, any good Clemson fan, if Kelly Bryant is named the starter by the coaches going into this season, you get behind him, you cheer him on all the way. And if he happens to come out and be replaced because Trevor Lawrence is is playing better so be it great for trevor lawrence and thanks to kelly bryant for everything he's done
0: yeah yeah nothing more to add i don't think
1: okay so that's the quarterback battle talk we'll learn more as the the weeks go on again i mean i think our anticipation is that kelly bryant's going to start the season you're going to see a lot of trevor lawrence and it's going to play out yeah so that was us or me rather trying to come up with some argument of why kelly bryant might end the season as the starter at uh, at clemson but there you go so cody let's wrap up this episode here and uh, let's do a rapid fire segment All right, so I'm gonna let you lead
0: this. What do you got for me? Okay, a Heisman candidate, a, a player that you will not be surprised they win the Heisman this year, and they're not—they're a non-quarterback and also a non-running back, so it can't be ET either. Could be a defensive player, offensive player on the
1: Clemson football
0: team. Yeah, who's your? Give me your top one. Maybe even you can go to three if you have a few offhand. But who's your top guy? All right. Well, if
1: you talk about um, the defense. Well, historically and in recent memory, it's quarterbacks or running backs are winning the Heisman. You actually don't see a lot of wide receivers winning the Heisman. You're not going to see an offensive lineman win the Heisman. So that naturally takes me over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, for a defensive lineman to win the Heisman, you either if you're on the line, you have to rack up sacks. So that's going to point to a guy like Cleveland Farrell. Um, maybe Dexter Lawrence, him 100% healthy leading into the season. Uh, But where I'm going to turn my attention to is the cornerback position. And the reason at the cornerback position, you have the opportunity to score um, as well as rack up the interception stats, which if you're a cornerback, that's your that's your sack. Right. Is is an interception. So I look how good our defensive line is going to be this year uh, and how much depth we have, meaning that these guys are going to be fresh all game long how much of a pass rush they're going to get, how disruptive they're going to be, how little time they're going to give quarterbacks to get the ball out of their hands. There's going to be interceptions. Pastors are going to rush their throws. There's going to be interceptions. That leads me to
0: pick sixes. That leads me to Trayvon Mullen. Fair enough. And Trayvon Mullen honestly could, could return punts or kickoffs and he could probably run a few back, but I, I don't think that'll happen. And I, I, th- I don't think anyone will get the hype just because people know how damn good the Clemson defensive line is, I'm going to go. Uh, wow, T. Higgins is is kind of there. I, I'm not going to go up wide receiver just because I think there's going to be a lot of split snaps, and I, I, I'm not sure if Kelly Bryant's going to be able to make the passes, and I'm not sure about the quarterback situation. So I'm going go to go. I'm going to also go to the defense and do something that will be first time ever. Um, defensive line. It's gotta be on the right side. It's gotta be their Dexter Lawrence in my eyes, who is I think the most physically gifted of any player, maybe on the whole team. Or Cleland Farrell, because he plays beside the guy Dexter that's Lawrence the most physically gifted <laughs> on the whole
1: team. Who plays beside Christian Wilkins on the inside, too? I, I
0: like if I had to say like a one to four, Christian Wilkins might even be the like the last player of like likeliness to win the Heisman. But he also might be the best player on the whole defensive line. So that's how good that line is and how, like, just all of them from top to bottom He's are so also good. on
1: the two-deep at safety.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's clearly going to beat Nolan Turner out. Jack of all trades. Um, yeah, so that's interesting to think about.
1: Again, you know, if you go back and look at the Heisman list over the past, I don't know, 20 years going back into the 90s, um, it's all quarterbacks and running backs. Um, so it's fun to have these conversations, but is it going to be a defensive guy? Probably not. And I'm ashamed of myself for not saying Hunter Renfro.
0: Oh, you left him out. But would you say, like, okay, of non-quarterbacks, ETN would be, like, if there's a Tier 1, it's quarterback. Tier 2, it's, like, ETN. Well, yeah, I mentioned it last year. ETN might even be
1: in Tier 1. I I mentioned it last year after we saw a few games out of ETN, is that he's got the stuff. He's got the Heisman-winning stuff from a running back. Very similar to to what C.J. Spiller had, except C.J. Spiller did not have the team and the talent around him. He was a one-man show. You know, Clemson, you lose a few games, you're out of the race, unless you're Lamar Jackson. What's next?
0: Okay, of all of the Clemson roster right now, if you had to predict future Pro Bowlers, and I set the number at four and a half, and for those people that are gambling illiterate, first off, get with the times. Second, that means will there be four or less, or five or more? Four and a half Pro Bowlers in the future from this Clemson roster.
1: What do you take? I'm going over. And let me try to name the guys. I'm going to go T. Higgins, Justin Ross. I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence. That's three guys on offense. Do I see anybody in the offensive line? Hard for me to tell. John Simpson's a possibility. I'm not sure if Mitch Hyatt gets there. Um, So I'm I'm not going to go anybody there. At the running back position, running back is really hard. You know, really good college running backs don't often necessarily translate into the NFL, and the lifespan of an NFL running back is the shortest of any position. So, as much as I want to call ETN and Heisman contender, possible winner, not going to go there. So, where am I at? Three on the offensive side of the ball. Let's look over the defense. Dexter Lawrence.
0: Feel pretty good about that. Feel
1: pretty good about that. Xavier Thomas. Defensive end. He's a guy that I definitely think is going to be there i think christian wilkins do i think brian or cleveland Farrell? first round picks for sure trey lamar um trey lamar at linebacker potentially. potentially yeah that's tough i'm gonna say christian wilkins just by personality alone um dance moves um entertainment value at the pro bowl you got to have him there in hawaii or whatever stupid location decide to have it other than
0: hawaii um I mean, you got to four pretty quick of guys you feel pretty confident, yeah. and then another essentially four. And we're talking about we, And then you got Trayvon Mullen and AJ Terrell. Yeah, you got and yeah Kyler McMichael, and I, I know he's a freshman. He's a freshman. I you know
1: Xavier Thomas is a different story. I can, I think I can just speak to that by just the anticipation so of the and talent. A half. So I'm okay. going over.
0: If I said sit it a square five. Oh, again. and then Hunter Renfro. Sorry. He, only if he's with the Patriots and only if Brady plays till forty eight, which he pr- he probably will. Okay, so you got over four and a half, and I think I would take that. And maybe I set the line poorly because maybe that should be five and a half. Well, what do you have? I mean, you, along the
1: similar lines. Is yeah, there yeah, Anybody I that I left out that you thought might
0: make it there? Uh, no, uh, just that. Like the only thing where it could really creep up because I feel like if if Wilkins can have a seven to ten year career, Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell. Ferrell, excuse me. One of those guys like will make it in an eight-year career, like one year. I feel like so, and, and, and it,
1: know, it's it's Trey Lamar, and it's really tough to project into the NFL just because injuries. Um, you know, guys are dropping out now more than ever because of concussions and CTE. Um, so yeah, I, I would go over it, four a and a half. I'm, I'm I'm still pretty confident that over the four and a half, I think. All around, this is the most talent Clemson has
0: had on any one football team. If Dexter Lawrence can get a healthy foot, man, he's going to be... God, he played like an... I think he was all ACC last year playing at 50%. <laughs> he's
1: fridge 2.0, baby.
0: Yeah, wow. All
1: right, give me one more.
0: Um, last one would be... If I told you... I don't like this question, but it was... Uh, if I told you Clemson goes 9-3 and three this season, Why? And don't say injuries, because that sucks. That's a stupid reason. That's the only reason. And, and you can't say scandal. You can't say Urban Meyer type scandal. You can't say our tight end was shooting people and uh Sweeney didn't report it. I gotta say injury. There's no
1: there's Okay, no, well think, think no no earthly reason. Open your mind and think harder. What else you got? Clemson loses three games. Um, let me like let me help you. What you think? I'll say then it's because Texas A&M, Florida State, and NC State are vastly underrated.
0: Well, that's like not a bad starting place. I know that people are like, "Oh, that's stupid," but maybe or A&M, maybe or maybe a better. Maybe Miami from from the coast on the ACC exactly. championship game. There you go. Miami has a chance. Like that, that is a reason. Like it could happen. Miami could be better. Florida State could be better. A&M could be better. I don't. I don't buy the NC State stuff. They lost too Weather. much. Weather, rain games. It's the great equalizer. But we're assuming a full sample. We're we're not going to do that either. Um, so I. So that's part of it. Competition can be better. But also, if I'm going to go, I, I'm just. I'm going to say that. Man, I'm going to say that quarterback is abysmal, and that's just that's the only thing. That's the highest probability thing I can think. Quarterback plays. Except
1: Kelly Bryant's going to be better than last year. Trevor Lawrence is God, apparently. And Chase Bryce is, you know, there to mop it up. He's Tua. There you go. And Ben Batson and Hunter Renfro are the backup quarterbacks. So that's not a good question, but uh but Well, it's 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 an interesting question because now we're we're arguing. We're trying to figure out a way that Clemson loses games, and it's really hard to do.
0: And we can even go down the injury path, but, but, but there's too much depth there. Look, right. There's too much depth. It yeah. would have maybe it would start with the offensive line. That would be our most fragile because you you lose a few pieces there and then you're into some backups. It would have to be disastrous though in terms of injuries. Yeah, it's
1: it's really uh, even aside. It's really hard to figure it out, and you can only chalk up one game a year really to a team not being focused. Yeah, because once you once you lose that first game, you still have the opportunity to stay in the playoff hunt, but you know you can't lose a second game. So chalk one loss up to that. That's it. It's your Syracuse from last year. It's your Pitt from the year before. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's why it's interesting. It's it's really hard to craft a scenario where Clemson loses football games during the regular season which makes me feel very fortunate to be alive during this area of Clemson football. So with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. We'll end up on high note here. Um, we don't know how Clemson is going to lose in the regular season this year. And that is a legitimate question. Again, that's not us being homers or with orange tinted glasses folks. This is a very, very good and talented football team. It is well coached. And quite honestly, the competition is not going to be that great this year. So lining up to be a very magical season, for the Clemson Tigers we appreciate everybody for listening again if it's your first time thanks for joining us and for all our returning listeners um, yeah just a huge shout out to you guys we really appreciate um, just our growing uh, listener base over the three years we've done this and into our fourth year here want to give a few shout outs um, before we go Will Dukes uh, we asked in our last episode for you guys to check in with us. You know, Send us a message. How long have you been listening to the podcast? Will Dukes on Facebook checked in said he's been listening over a year. Hasn't missed an episode since then. Will, you're owed a $10 gift card from Cody. It turns out that's coming from either Blockbuster or Toys R Us. Congratulations. Um, then also a shout out to Mac Richmond. Um, also hit us up on Facebook. Mac, we appreciate you reaching out to us again. We encourage everybody to engage with us on Facebook. Um, on twitter it's at clemson podcast you can email us at clemson at gmail.com in fact that's how a guy named rob matthews got in touch with us last year he's from ireland he got into american football got into college football the atmosphere around it started getting into clemson and being a fan of clemson just because we were the the hot new thing in college football and now it turns out rob matthews is going to make his first trip to the united states this coming year and he's gonna as part of that he's gonna make a trip to the nc state game so we want to throw that out for everybody um again here at the podcast we're out in san francisco we're not sure if we'll be able to make the NC state game several of us are going to try but if we can't we want to hook rob up with uh, a good tailgating experience uh one that only the clemson fan base can provide so hit us up Um, if you're open to that, and we'll put you in touch. Um, Again, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Go give us a review on iTunes. And until next time, go Tigers.